0: Long talk radio.
1: It did it, it The there it's Maybe it's working on this off.
0: And it's still go.
2: Wait for the drop.
1: The closest objectivists from the People's Republic of Minnesota. See, I switched it up a little bit there uh, today. This time, uh, we're on. We're on. We are on today. We are on this Wednesday. Can you frickin' believe it? Um, nope. I am. I am just so happy that we we're able to get on. It was such a pain in the ass last week, and a, just a gigantic. Uh, pile of manure, uh, trying to get on, and apparently I wasn't the only show that was having difficulty last week either. So uh, I don't feel like a, as much of an idiot as as I normally would. So, uh, so yeah. So uh, from from the People's Republic of Minnesota and Hawaii, uh, welcome, welcome, and of course California as well. Garrett's Garrett's along for the ride. We're accepting accepting him Hola. in this week so uh i'm cory baum along with uh dr Hi, megan dude. ribbons meg how you doing I'm doing great how are you Corey? good and aloha Stuart. how are you
3: um zoomtastic
1: fantastic now that's your new thing oh where'd whoa. you get past
3: zoomtastic
1: okay where where'd you get that from what it has to at the end Okay. And you, of, yeah. you, you talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I think. Well, the last time we were on, I think you brought that up. And I didn't know exactly where it came from. Uh, maybe you told me before and I just forgot. But anyway, that's that's uh, that's your your new thing. And, and, and great. Uh, Zoomtastic is, is wonderful. Everybody's got to have their own little catch phrase here. Uh, Garrett, you just heard from Garrett. And uh, Garrett, how are you doing? Yeah, but that'll do. Yeah, but, but do um,
2: fantastic. Okay. It's, it's nice and sunny here in California. It was eighty yeah. degrees today. Screw you.
1: Okay, just you yesterday. Yourself, I
2: was at, I was right? at the beach all day on Sunday. I think I may I have even gotten a I little bit. I don't care.
1: Dry. I'm cutting you off right now. <laughs> I don't need to hear it. <laughs> and You know what? We got up to twenty today here, uh, and so I was pleasantly it? surprised. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 good. I'll just tell you, it's good. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to leave you keeping on guessing on the Celsius Fahrenheit thing. But so it's good. I went out in the and started dancing naked it was just too warm. It was
4: twenty. It was
2: 20 Kelvin.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I anyway, yeah. Uh, real real pleasant uh, weather we've been experiencing here for the Super Bowl that's going on. And uh, uh, well, that's right. I, what, is
2: that? Is that uh, this coming
1: weekend? Yes, it's on Sunday. I'm staying as far away from Minneapolis right now as possible uh, because it's crazy up there, and and you know, uh, you know, people are nuts. So, yeah. So well, I uh, still think the back. Vikings are going
4: to win. If you live around <laughs> Minneapolis and like you Airbnb Airbnb or place, you can get like yeah. nine hundred bucks a night. It's outrageous.
1: Yeah, you wow. can, but. It's it's risky too, you know. I mean, they can trash the place, and I guess I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that would work with, you know, as far as like your insurance or whatever. I suppose, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the risk is that you could get something stolen. I suppose, but I don't know. A lot of people are doing it. I mean, there's, it, 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 I don't know. I've I've seen some uh, places go for five grand a night, you know. So it's it, wow. it, it depends on how close you are to the stadium too. I suppose. So yeah it's it's um it's jamming, and uh we have the the whole uh city is filled with these Minnesota uh contingent of volunteers that are these welcome ambassadors and greeters and stuff that are help, supposed to help people navigate around town if they need assistance and uh like a welcome committee and this and that so uh we have a bunch you're of not, people you're not doing there. that Corey? I don't do that. No, I, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing it for free. That's for damn sure. Um, you <laughs> can go
2: be welcome to buy
1: them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of, a th- you know, if you really are into it, go for it. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go and spend my day, uh, escorting people around town and not get something for it. Uh, that's just not, go. not going to happen. With it. <laughs> Not get, not get some sort of a financial oh. incentive, or a lot of people are doing it to see if they can meet like a celebrity or whatever too, but that ain't that ain't worth it for me. I could tell you that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, that's going on. I'm staying far away from it as possible, and uh, let's get into the show here. Uh, I got to do housekeeping. Housekeeping.
4: No, thank you. it Housekeeping. Could you come back in an hour keeping you one towel and towels need sleepy I'm keeping you one pillow
1: please go away let me sleep for the love of God okay and uh, you can find us on stitcher the TuneIn radio app along with iTunes and follow us on Blog Talk uh, Radio. And if you're listening to us on any other platform, Blog Talk is uh, where we can, where you can follow the show a little easier by pressing uh, the follow uh, button on the main page. Otherwise, you can also follow it. I guess any other way you want, but it's kind of easy because we get, you'll get notified emails when we're going to have a show live and and that kind of thing. So it's easier to follow us there, but wherever you find us is great. It's just, you know, all those other uh, platforms are available. Yeah. I mean, blog well, is nice
4: because it like, if we ever have to call an audible, like all of a sudden blog talk craps out on us. Like that's never happened before. You'll yeah. know about it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, if, when that happens again, I am going to, I am going to, uh, call uh, or not i can't call them but they, they have email support so i'll email them again here and figure out what's going on i think a lot of it has to do with the time that you pick to do your show and however many people are on i i, I know again i know i'm not the only one that's having these difficulty difficulties and I, I apologize for them you know especially to people who are you know especially our patreons i, I feel bad when when we have a, a problem and the patreons you know i'm glad everybody who listens listens but the people who give us money for it makes me feel like ah you know that much you know kind of pissed off more, more about it so anyway apologies we're on now we'll we're going to hopefully try to get some of this stuff fixed and and you know thank you for your cooperation your patience and all that uh speaking of patreon you can find us there you can uh, donate if you if you'd like to Uh, The the way to do that is by going on patreon.com backslash And that is where you can uh, donate to the show. Uh, Any, any amount you wish Uh, $1 is great. Any dollar is great. Uh, We're thankful for everything. And we're also thankful if you just listen to the show, Uh, that's, that's great too. If you, if you don't or can't afford or, you know, don't want to pay, that's fine. As long as you listen, that's all I care about at the end of the day. So, um, Great, thank you all very much. Um, I, I want to get into my news headline, and then I wanted to introduce a few things that um, kind of new stuff that's going on. And if any of you guys have a news headline, you can you know, you can feel free to jump in. Uh, but my news headline, Meg, is the uh, Unromantics has been optioned by Hollywood to produce for, uh, for a full-length <laughs> full length, uh, feature film.
2: That's incredible news.
1: With, with yeah. Josh Whedon directing, of course. Josh Whedon directing, even though he's anti <laughs> uh racist, misogynist. <laughs> I don't know. Before he's he, a bad guy. I, I, thought, I, I thought you wanted
3: a, a great work of literature to get the treatment it deserves. <laughs> why? Why would you want Hollywood to interfere with it? I, I yeah. think your fake you for it to be good news. Your fake news headline should include: Meg has absolute veto power. Absolute veto power over the production. So when they try to do stupid things, when they try to, you know, when they try to interfere, Meg yeah, has like, absolute beatle power. That's yeah, the Yeah, you concept. know,
1: I, I did. I will say, Stuart, I did. I did cringe writing that headline when I had to put when I put Hollywood in there because I was like, well, oh, ah, what else? You know, I was going to maybe put a studio in there like Warner Brothers, but I I just did Hollywood. So anyway. Uh, well, thank you, Corey. At the end of the day, I would,
4: I would, you know, I I would wield that power, ruthlessly and and, um, despotically. I don't even know if that's a
1: word, but yeah, I would
4: totally be like, I wield that tie. We can make it a word. Yeah.
1: So, uh, all right. Well, that's my that's my headline. And anybody else got one they want to throw in, Meg? Um.
4: Great news! Alcohol is shown to have absolutely no ill effects, whatever.
2: I'm for that. It's a, for about that. time that they discovered this fact.
1: Yes. <laughs> I am a doctor. All right. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. You can figure that out. You, you, you figured it out. That's it. Uh, well, anybody else got one?
3: Oh, I have one. Um, All right, go for it. A whole year has gone, scientists find a whole year has gone by without anyone approvingly saying good artists copy, great artists steal. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. what's that
1: going What? That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one.
2: You know, once again, I'm I'm left out here. I don't have a headline prepared, but I guess I'm not an official host, so I'm gonna forgive myself. But well, goddamn it! Now, you, if you uh,
1: if, if you, you want to be one, you certainly can. <laughs> we're good, we're good. we can promote. We can promote. Uh,
2: I wasn't I wasn't fishing there. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm not I'm not sure that I completely understand the concept. So is this supposed to be something a fake headline that I make up that okay. I want to happen, or is it?
1: So yes, let me yes. just, let, let, let Meg, let me just a, to... well, let me just yeah, explain. Okay. We're, we're we're pretty loose with the, it originally started with Meg. This, a lot of the stuff that I get for the show actually is Meg's ideas. I, I, I just, you know, but so, so when we were, when we were doing it, so when <laughs> we were starting, the, yeah, when we were starting the show out, she's like, I don't know how she came up with it, but she says that we got to do like a headline and I don't remember how it happened or whatever, but, and it was going to be like something we wished would be uh would be something you know that would be actually true right so it's not real but it's something that we hope someday would be true or something that would eventually become a reality and yeah, i kind I of took it, it
4: right like keep in you, you mind what we're doing you
1: know, i remember i
3: remember how you how how it happened it was soon after the presidential election results and all these articles came out saying that what swayed the election was people reading all these fake news headlines in Facebook. And yeah. I actually did see fake news headlines in Facebook like that. And you were saying you said this was the first you heard of fake news. What, what oh was yeah, fake I news? remember now.
1: Yeah, Stuart, you remember the show better than I do. <laughs>
3: okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, but so, so, but so but anyway, it wouldn't, but what, it wouldn't but be
2: like my, Trump is declared but, lizard king.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean but so, here's the thing so like I in my infinite you know uh wisdom I guess is I just took it and said started just putting random shit in there so I would say you know it didn't have to be like a something I wanted to happen it could just be something funny that I you know or I just started just do, going off of it the script uh, a little bit yeah, but, so well, that's yeah, when I started saying well lines well, are always so great yeah well thank you but you I just started to kind of do whatever wanted, I wanted right <laughs> So, anyway, we don't have. It, it can be pretty, whatever you want it to be. Just as long as it's, you know, adding whatever you want it, whatever you want to say, to go for it. You know what I mean? So, that's kind of okay. My so fairly
2: loosely defined. All right. So this, these aren't like onion headlines. These are these are like actual serious things that I would like to happen. So like. All right. Federal government announces the abolishment of
3: the Department of Education, or something like that. Perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've History. only
4: done that line
3: before. It, it can be serious or unserious. Right. Okay. Like right. Trump
2: is declared lizard king by the lizard yeah. society. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But Cheney, He's a he, Cheney king. had that. He
2: can do anything. Well, he
1: took that over from Cheney. So you know. <laughs> That's
2: right. And Jim, so, he, 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 took he took it, it over from Jim him.
1: Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Okay, well, the headlines are all great this week. We got to just keep keep reaching for the stars here, guys, on these headlines. We're going to make them, you know. N- there's nothing that's out of bounds on these, so just have fun with the it.
2: stars. And- are real. That's my headline? <laughs>
1: all
2: right, I've got to work on my headline writing skills. I'm gonna, that, that wasn't wasn't my best.
1: That's okay. They're not all going to be. Oh, hey, look, they're not all going to be gold, man. I- I've had a few that have been stinkers, so. Just uh, be patient with it.
0: Okay. Uh, hey, oh, oh,
1: oh,
3: oh. I, I think there is one thing that's forbidden. A fake news headline for, for, for the show cannot be a sentence written by Immanuel Kant, because if it is, then the, that fake news headline will take up the whole episode.
1: Yeah. Burn. Yeah. We'll, we'll try. We'll try to avoid that. Uh, so, yeah. So, great. it, it I wanted to introduce, we, we, we had a, a, a new uh, member that uh, came into the fold uh, that's following us on blog talk. And I just wanted to introduce, uh, I don't have the name. I just have the, the avatar uh, is a uh, ego. I think it E G O S J R is following us now on blog talk. So thank you. Uh ego, uh, I'm something or other.
2: Uh, I don't want to justice botch it up. rorier <laughs>
1: Yeah, but anyway, I mean, thank you, you like for following ego us. Egos Jr.? Egos Jr.? Yeah, it could be. Interesting. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for uh, following the show, and thank you for uh, for listening. Uh, and a special big-time thank you uh, to Stephen Macklin. So Stephen helped set up the Objectivist 365 dot com webs. we have a website now for Ooh. megan's idea on doing the, uh, object- yeah so we have a website now you can go to objectivist365.com and that's all the ideas that meg had put out there all of the little um places to go for objective uh, uh you know sites and, and sources and and things like that that are either free i think they're mostly free um all that free. you can learn it. Um, yeah, they're all free. Okay, like, you know.
4: If you already have a subscription, they're free.
1: Um, okay.
4: Every time there's something that's like subscription required, there's always an alternative that that is like completely free. Um, so yeah, you can you can promote objectivism every day of the year for free.
1: Um, and awesome. so and that's the challenge, right? So you can go, you can do something different every day for free to promote objectivist ideas. And there, you know, there's podcasts, there's books, there's make, there's articles, there's, you know, all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, it's a, it's a really neat looking website. And, and, and I, I don't, I mean, I'm so appreciative of it. So, I, I mean, I don't know, Mega, if you guys have had a chance to, to look into it at all. I did post it on our Facebook group. Oh, yeah, um, it's, it's,
4: it's- amazing and yeah major props to him
1: even you've done a fantastic job and i'm so grateful yeah to to have listeners that that are that active for us and that's great and i just it makes me it makes everything worth it for me to be doing this when i have people that are interested in 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 listening to us and in in interacting with us and doing these types of things it's super great and it just makes me it makes it feel great it makes it feel good I, i love doing that so yeah so that's 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 awesome. So thank you again, and everybody check the site out, Objectivist three uh, sixty five dot com, uh, and you can follow us on Facebook too. You can get in our, our uh, in, in the in the in the uh, in the closet Objectivist on Facebook. You can get in our little clubhouse there and too. A of people
4: have, have you noticed that guys like, you know, we've got lots of new Facebook members in our group, which is really cool.
1: Yep, I, uh, I I noticed that a bunch of people joined uh, uh, the Facebook club, so I think we're over we're we're well over fifty members. So to that's me, that's enough. yeah, I think that's really good. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And uh, people listen in different ways too, and um, but yeah, to get in with us on Facebook I, and feel free to give us ideas about what you would like to, us to talk about or whatever. If you want to get in on the show, great. Um, give us some ideas. We want as yeah, many. If each member
4: you know, just pitched in a dollar at Patreon,
1: we'd have $50. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'd have $50. So, um, but we're doing pretty good on, on all fronts so far. And I'm, I'm very happy with everything. So, yeah. So again, thank you. Join us all that jazz. Um, okay. So now um moving on. Those are kind of the things I wanted to, to, uh, to, to bring up right away. Uh, I, I, need i want to run by something that um we 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 talked about before it's been a while since we've we've talked about this and there was a new um potential new listener uh that asked me some questions about our show and she doesn't know objectivism she's uh, not uh she she's not you know uh she's brand new to anything like that i mean it's she had asked about how if we could um, kind of within just a few words, describe why, wh- what, what we're about, what, philo- what, what objectivism is about, um, basically, what is our perspective on it. And I know it, our answers are going to be pretty much in the same ballpark, but why are we, why is this philosophy good for us? Uh, and so I thought it would be a good, good time now to remind people and into and, and because I figured because I, I totally forgot I said oh that's right some people are new that listen and don't know what it's about and sometimes we gloss over and just assume people know what objectivism is and so I thought well that's a great question and that's something I might want to start the, the next show off so yeah so so let's start with whoever wants to start and explain what what you know it within it doesn't have to be a long dissertation but what it is why you like sure. it, why it, it? Why it works?
2: You know, Where if, is, if I can jump in here, uh, I, 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 just thought, first of all, I want to clarify: is it what is objectivism, or what is uh, our relationship to it as a podcast?
1: I would say both. I didn't get that oh, clear, okay. um, clear on it, but yeah.
2: Sure, um, you, you know I, I'm jumping in here because I actually had a really uh, interesting experience recently with. Uh, a friend of mine from work who, uh, you know, we've become close and um, and I hung out a few times and, you know, I've kind of helped him out uh, with some advice for some, uh, you know, questions he's had in his own life um, over the last six months or so. And um, we were out, you know, hanging out a few of us the other night and um, you know, it came up that I, you know, was involved in this philosophy and uh you know through the fact that I've been to an objectives conference and so he was very curious what it was about and you know I'm always I'm always actually kind of hesitant to bring it up because in my experience most people are either hostile like actively hostile or just completely disinterested um, but this guy was actually genuinely interested and so he he said well summarize what what's about for me which is a question that I that I've tried to refine my answer to over the years. But um, so I, I summarized and then he kept asking follow-up questions to follow. And we ended up talking for about three hours about it. And he you know kept saying throughout, this is what I believe. He said, this, this makes so much sense. And then he kept asking, why do people hate Ayn Rand so much? And I said, I don't know. You're going to have to ask them. <laughs> I said, I think a lot of them haven't actually read her uh, or, or or don't actually understand what she's saying, um I think many of them you know fall into that category, but um so he said it this doesn't seem extreme to me; it seems normal, so um anyway, I just wanted to give that context that um, I had a great experience recently of introducing someone who had never heard of it to the philosophy um, and Stuart can probably Stuart is is great at this stuff, but he could probably actually provide a more succinct answer than I can as to what it is. I tend to point people at um, a video that ARI has produced that's about 10 minutes long that explains the essentials of the philosophy. Um, that's on YouTube, uh, freely available. And um, it's amazing how many people aren't willing to watch a 10-minute YouTube video. Um, but uh, that's that's the best answer I can give because I don't think I'm actually a very good uh, person to describe it. Um, I know that Ayn Rand herself was asked once, "Could she describe her philosophy while standing on one foot?" And she took the challenge and succeeded magnificently. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll let someone else talk now.
1: <laughs> That's mine. Okay, answer. Stuart, go ahead. You were, you wanted to get in.
3: Oh well, regard regarding the um, video, maybe more people would watch it if the thumbnail was like a twenty year old snowboarding. You know, so, you, so you press click and there's a 20-year-old snowboarding and you hear this loud rock music you know maybe that's how it gets but um, you know, I, I love talking with people who are new who um haven't heard of Ayn Rand or Objectivism before but are interested in it I just love that because then I can introduce that person to my philosophy and tell that person about my philosophy and thereby scare that person away from me for good <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but you got to get him. Hey, that's wrong, Stuart. You, gotta, you can't do maybe, that. Maybe,
2: maybe I shouldn't let Stuart talk. Softer, about
1: softer it. words, buddy. <laughs> 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 I, I have. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say mine yet because I want to still. I, I want to still hear Stuart, but I just. I I, uh, I. I have something I think, and you guys probably are gonna know what I'm gonna say, but but I, I just wanted to. I wanted to to, Stuart, to flesh out more of what he was talking about. Well, well, I think
3: well to me, objectivism is about living your life peaceably, you know, according to your own standards and your you know your own decisions. It's for someone those who want to maximize autonomy, and the only way to do that is through reason. You know, because I can I can pray as much as I want, and that has that has no effect you know there's no effect. it's not going to change the physical world around me and some people will say well what if maybe if you have faith in something that isn't real maybe it has a placebo effect and maybe it'll benefit you that way but even then i mean isn't it better to know the truth
1: i think i, agree. I, I think it is
3: and you act on it i don't
1: want to i don't want to be fooled i don't want to have i don't want to have false hope in something I want to know whether it's, whether something is good for me or bad for me. And the only way that I could do that is, is through reason and thinking, you know, Uh, I I don't know that. See, that's the problem that I have, I guess, a little bit with, um, with, with, well, I mean, among other things with religion is the ends justify the means. And I don't like that. I don't like, I I don't Mm -hmm. want to live according to that.
2: Well, you know, when I was talking to this friend of mine, one of the ways that that I found some success was I uh, juxtaposed what objectivists think um, against what the other philosophies have to say. And starting with
0: metaphysics,
2: um, you know, I talked about Plato's cave and, you know, talked about kind of Plato's thought processes, as I understand it. You know, I'm not a scholar, of course, but, um, you know, about, you know, how he approached this problem of what exists and then how he approached the the problem of universals um, which is universals in philosophy speak means concepts Um, and uh, and so I described what Plato yeah so I described Plato um, had to say about this and and uh, he said that's ridiculous who would who would ever believe that and I said well just about everyone on earth today um (laughs) And, and he said, Well, I don't believe it. And you know, then I then I described Aristotle's and I said, you know, Aristotle was was way better, but he wasn't exactly right. You know, there was 'cause if I'm not mistaken, I hope I'm not mistaken that Aristotle was an intrinsicist, right? He thought that that yeah, he, uh, there he was the
4: intrinsicist he, Right,
2: right. Like, so he thought that was the like, like,
4: dog's just right, you would find the dogness
2: Right, or the table and the tableness was actually uh-huh. part of it. And then I explained uh Ayn Rand's view, the objectivist view. Um, and he said well that makes sense and this uh, this guy is, happens to be a software engineer and so um, it's actually software engineering and on uh, the Harry Binswanger letter I've read a few posts from some um, other software engineers talking about object oriented programming and how it, it really kind of is based on Ayn Rand's epistemology um, you, you know, implicitly not explicitly but um, and so it actually made it quite easy for me to explain these the, the Plato concepts to him, because I could use software terminology, uh, since it was so it was such a g- great analogy for it. Um, so if there are software people listening, I would take that into account. Um, but uh, yeah, having that juxtaposition at the lowest level where it's not there's no emotion tied to these things. You know, there's no emotion for him tied to subjectivism or intrinsicism. Um, he can look at them somewhat objectively and say, well, this is ridiculous. and <laughs> This other one's ridiculous. You know, why, why are these people so ridiculous? And then I say, well, you know, Plato's, uh, you know, other world of of universals. You know, had this hierarchy of of concepts, and at the top was this universal. You know, this this concept at the top of the hierarchy that eventually became the Christian God. Um,
1: well, the world of forms, and, right? Wasn't that
2: the world, of, the forms, world exactly, of forms? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I highly recommend for your listeners, uh, Doctor Leonard Peikoff's History of Philosophy courses. Yeah, uh, they're available on the resource. Well, well, worth the money.
1: That, that's that's good, and I've listened to most of it. Now it's really hard, okay. So, <clears throat> I would recommend to listen, obviously listen to it, but don't go into it thinking, "Oh, I got to get all this." Uh, you're not gonna. Hmm. Um, you, <laughs> it's,
2: yeah, I think you it's not going twelve hours or so. It and it, yeah. it, it's it's a it's a college course. Um, you know, it's a lecture but course, you know you're not going to be turning in homework (laughs) but uh he's he's my favorite uh objectivist lecturer and he's so good at conveying information and he puts objectivism in context that was what these courses did for me was they they put it in context i didn't know much about philosophy at all um in when i took philosophy in college all they talked about was plato and i just remember thinking well this is stupid this doesn't make any sense and then checking out <laughs> mentally for the rest of the class. <laughs> you know, kind of writing off philosophy as such. Um, and it wasn't until I started reading Iron Rand that I came back to it. Um, but and I think that's probably the reaction of a lot of people who study philosophy in college. So anyway, these courses put, put objectivism in the context of philosophy in general, um, in a chronological order, and it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And this is actually the technique that I use when I introduce people to it. So, um, but I tend to focus on morality because the idea that yes. the idea that the core virtue of objectivism is being rational, and the core uh, the core vice or, or sin, if you want to put it that way, is uh, Coercion is the initiation of the use of force, is a very appealing thing to a lot of people out there, even people who don't, you know, who are, are leftists, you know, or think that they're leftists. Um, it's very hard to argue <laughs> with that, you know, that you should be allowed to defend yourself but not to force other people to do things. And then you start talking about specific political aspects of it only after
1: they understand that. Um, right. Never start with politics, ever. No, never. Never. That's well. That's the end point, right? I mean, there's a reason right. that there's that he lays out, you know, metaphysics and epistemology and ethics and all. You you have to go through all those steps and then you get to politics.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, well, we I refuse to talk bag. to
1: people about politics Sorry.
2: until we've talked about the rest.
1: Yep. And I, I, I and I'm going to say, Stuart, I'm going to let you finish. I just I just want to quick. I make mistakes when I talk to people. Uh, sometimes I go right. I, I I make mistakes by going to politics because sometimes it's just it's just the way I, it might be easier for me. But then it's, I, I have to realize, wait, I got I can't. I got to back out of this now, and, and we got to go back. And and sometimes it gets to be awkward. So I got to make myself more disciplined in saying no. I I don't. This isn't where we're go. This isn't where I want to go. I'm not going to start out with Trump or with. You know, I don't even want. You know, we got to go back up. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. where I try to get. Anyway, I'm sorry, assignment. Stuart, go ahead. Yeah.
3: You know, ahead, it's funny Stuart.
1: that it's funny that you
3: make a, make a point that politics comes last because every time I see a hit piece against Ayn Rand, usually from salon.com, it always starts politics first. You always start off saying, Did you know that Ayn Rand wants to cut off, cut welfare? Therefore, she wants poor yeah. children to starve to death. Mm-hmm.
1: The,
3: that's the where most that's people
1: come from. See, because yeah. people don't, people don't think about they they don't think philosophy. They don't they they don't think about philosophy. They they really don't. It's like, uh, you know, you you, know, you, you have religion. People just that's 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 what they do. That's their philosophy. right, the religion. But they, they don't think about. It. They just don't think that philosophy is important. Mm-hmm. So,
2: well, they have these assertions that they that they make. That they've heard you know in the media, and it seemed to make sense to them. Like I was talking to a friend the other day. And he said, "Well, the free market works in a lot of things, and this is a businessman that I'm talking to." And he said, "You know, the free market works in a lot of things, but certain industries are just different." He said, "Healthcare is just is just different; it won't work in healthcare." And I said, "Why not? <laughs> what's, right. what's different about it?" And He said, "It's too important." And but there's no, I mean, there's no thought behind that. It's just a, right. it's just a blank assertion. Um, and if you you know dig even just a little bit. It's obvious that there's no thought behind it. It's
1: it's hard, yeah. It's hard when you haven't been yeah.
4: It's interesting. It sounds like most people philosophy is so fundamental that they take it for granted, right? They have their premises, even if they're self or you know inter contradictory, right? And then they, you know, most people come into the philosophy interested in politics. Um. Mm -hmm. But you know, whatever you know, whatever their interest in politics is, is, assumes a certain philosophy. It's that fundamental. Um, I I have to say that was what what, appealed to me from about Iran from the beginning. Is that most people, in as much as they are ever aware of philosophy, they kind of look at different philosophers, what they had to say, and kind of pick and choose what they like. You know, at best. I really was scientific about it. She didn't say, Okay, here are the philosophies of which I know, and I'm gonna choose this answer for how we form concepts, and I'm gonna choose that answer for, you know, what is you know, what counts as you know, primary in terms of metaphysics versus epistemology. Um, she he said, Okay, I don't even need philosophy. What what process is like why don't other animals have philosophy? You know, mm-hmm. she, she started. I mean, she was scientific in that she started from observation. She made a hypothesis as to why she was observing what she did, and then she tested it. You know, she looked at these different <coughs> philosophies and what their you know answer to these hypotheses was, and what the results were. It was fascinating, and it's exactly what you should do. With any field, even something as fundamental as philosophy, I just—I
1: know my the only one just "Oh, cool." And here's the thing: is uh, we throw out big words, um, objectivists. We we say, you know, metaphysics. Let's let's lay out a basic definition. What is metaphys-
2: metaphysics? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, uh, this this is how I would put it. Um, Metaphysics ans, uh, asks the question of what is real, um, or another way to put that is what exists. Okay. And yes. And epistemology and your, your is even more confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, it, 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 and The it, way I look at.
1: Exists. Yeah. The way I look at yeah you know, epistemology for me and I, you know I'm, I'm I. I'm just, you know, broad stroking this here. So epistemology: How do you know you know? Is kind of that's just my base thought when I when I bring yeah, that up. Yeah,
2: ex- exactly. It's it's uh. So there's there's both. I think Peacock called the the ante room of epistemology, which which was basically what is the nature of man. Um. And then epistemology yeah. itself is is how do we know? So uh, how does man gain knowledge, I would say, is the core question of epistemology. Um, what is the proper way to gain knowledge? What What is knowledge, and how do we gain it? So, um, for instance, if I have a dream that uh, the world is going to end tomorrow, is that knowledge? Um, if I, you know, see, read a mathematical proof in a textbook, is that knowledge? If I see... Um, if I see an apple falling onto the ground when I drop it from my hand, is that knowledge? You know, what, what is knowledge? Um, and so that's what epistemology tries to answer. I
3: have a question for Garrett. Garrett, um, so, so um, you were talking to a software programmer, so I want to ask you about this. I mean, aren't software programmers sort of a stereotype of the sort of person who would be most amenable? to a rational philosophy like objectivism? Uh, you would think so. <laughs> so I've, I've met uh, some of the
2: most... some of the software programmers who I respect the most as software programmers. I respect the least in their political views, um, which is just a, a shame for me because to me it's so obvious uh, at this point, but I, I, I get how it's not obvious for them. And the reason is because they don't think that the logic that applies to their work also applies to things like philosophy and things like politics. They think that those are just completely outside of the realm of reason. Um, So they don't use the reasoning skills. They don't apply the reasoning skills that they have honed very well when writing software uh, to things that are not math, science, and software.
3: We see. We see. I want. We see. I think this is funny because I, I hope. I hope this isn't to straying too far from your question, Corey, because it's sort of about how sell objectivism. Because so I've seen very informal surveys on like on these objectivist message boards, and often you know someone will will, will talk about the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, the MBTI. You know, mm-hmm. there are 16 different personality types, but they're like they're. But says they're there are just four big groups like people who have NT in the middle. And often in these informal surveys, they ask you, what score did you get? And the vast majority of people who answer will say INTJ. Yeah, INTJs and and are, yeah. And I thought, I thought, you know, does this mean that being an INTJ, INTJ makes you an objectivist? And the answer is, of course, no. Most objectivists, it seems, are mm-hmm. INTJ. Oh, wow. Most INTJs are not objectivists. But I do find there is a common denominator, like, I've seen you know, like these quote race realists unquote who brag about being INTJs. I've seen socialists brag about being INTJs. But they all, I think what INTJs have in common, of course, I'm not science, this is not scientific. This is based on anecdote, but experience. But I find that INTJs, what they all seem to have in common is that they're very um, opinionated and they're the type who debate a lot. They have a very strong systematic they try to be systematizers, they have like a systematic philosophy, like Marxism or socialism, you know, or the IQ racist stuff. And then they, they they argue a lot on the internet. Yeah,
2: you know, I I don't I don't put a ton of weight in the, the Myers Briggs scores. Um, I I think I'm INTJ. I, I don't remember exactly, uh, but <laughs> I what I will say, uh, and this is just my opinion. Um, I think that people who study computer science and software um, due to the nature of the work they have to be logical because if you're not a logical thinker and you try to program you will fail you will fail almost immediately Um, and then you will continue to fail So so you really have to be able to think logically and not just at one level but logically in in the form of designing massive systems. Um, it would be like the equivalent of an architect building a skyscraper, right? They have to, there are so many little pieces that have to work together in the right way. It's the same with a software engineer building a, the, you know, a non-trivial piece of software. It's just like an architect building a building, a building or designing a building. So um, you can't design a building that doesn't fall down without thinking logically and you can't design a piece of software that that actually runs without thinking logically even more so because computers are are logical components they have things in them called I think ALU's and now I'm exposing how long it's been since college but they actually have like logical units in them that that do logic and um, you, there's no way to get them to not be logical it's just against their nature um so, I think that people who write software are much more familiar and have the rules of logic much more ingrained in the way that they think about problems than other people might. Hmm. Yeah,
4: that's, that's yeah, interesting. I know what I, I'm seeing is ahead. the common denominator is non, not introversion or anything like that. Um, it's, you know, a, a cherishing... Ideas, you know what I mean. That principles are real and matter. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Which is why, when you get a guy like uh, like a uh, Donald Trump and and that has no real principles, it's frustrating for people like us because we want to because ideas matter. Oh, no. Ideas are so important that you, when you're just when you just can throw them out and, and adopt them and throw them and adopt them and, and and make them whatever whenever you know you're that's very frustrating for us. Uh, for objective. Yeah, I'm
4: kinda glad they have this amazing article on Donald Trump and
1: anti intellectuality.
4: And what that really means is that he's completely disconnected from principle and, and, and from reality. Right? Like, right. you know what I mean? And and that's Maybe that sounds just kind of daydreamy, but what it really means is that he has nothing to go on. So the only thing that makes something good is to feel-good teaching in the moment, which means it's very subject to change, right? Based on his whim. Um,
2: yeah, it, I, I think philosophically, know, he seems to be a pragmatist.
1: It's way to live. Yeah. Yes, Garrett, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, that is exactly his. But <clears throat> this is an interesting. Uh, I listen to Scott Adams occasionally uh, on Periscope. I follow him, and you know he he he's an interesting guy, and <clears throat> I, I like him. But you know he's he he's as far as now I know, we're talking about Trump a little bit, but you know let, let's just just this for just a minute here. He 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 says that you know. Trump is a, a great persuader, right? So he says persuasion is key. Well, yeah, it is. But, you know, it, it can be to persuade people to, you know, uh, to vote for you or to do certain things. But, you know, it's also whim, too, where, you know, and it's, it's he'll, you know, his version of persuasion is, well, okay, he said this, and, you know, it's, it's a great persuading, te- what he did was a great persuading technique. But then it's like, well, he just said that to get whatever it was at the time. He doesn't really believe it. Um, he at the time, you know, yeah, he's persuaded you, but he's not genuine in his persuasion. So it's like, you know, I, that, that's 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 the, the trouble with with me with, when I listen to Scott Adams' defense of Trump. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe... yeah and I have heard. Oh, sorry, Stuart. Go ahead.
3: Maybe that maybe that explains my bewilderment because. Maybe Donald Trump is not speaking the same language I speak because I was so bewildered throughout the whole primaries, you know, during the debate, you know, when he was having the debates against all the other Republicans, I thought he was the weakest debater of all of them. It was like I was the least impressed by him. I would rate John Kasich, that milk toast, is milk toast, John Kasich's thing, or low energy Jeb. I'd rate them as being more persuasive than Trump. And then I was well, looking at these polls on, on online. And but, Stuart, they, you're a thinker. Them, who, who won the yeah. debate? It was like Donald Trump by far. I thought, yeah, what happened? Did, yeah. to did, did, did hackers spike this thing? As a joke, no. did fortune people spike this thing?
2: <laughs> no, you know, no, because... well, I'll, I'll tell you my my opinion. I, I watched the same debates and I thought Donald Trump won everyone handily. Um, it wasn't even a question. Uh, so, I think he is, Scott Adams is right that Trump is exceptionally persuasive. Um, Now, I think that the reasons that he's persuasive show the deficit in our national culture. Um, I I don't think they're good reasons. I mean, occasionally he'll stumble upon something that, you know, we happen to agree with, but that, that doesn't mean he's doing it for the you know, that doesn't mean he's a good person. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that, uh, it was no contest. I mean, he, he won because he was the only person with a personality up there. Um, he was the only one not afraid. He was the only one not afraid of losing. Everybody else is yeah. afraid of losing. Um, there, there are some excellent books about the psychology of it, but, um yeah I I think I have a pretty good sense psychologically of, of how he won and I and I think that it was it was obvious that he was going to win the the general um but uh, and Scott, Adams, Scott Adams Scott Adams to his credit predicted that and um I I don't really like Scott Adams I I think that he's probably very similar to Trump in a lot of ways um I I think he's kind of a blowhard narcissist, but um, which is why he has so much respect for this other blowhard narcissist who just made it all the way. Um, uh, but I think he's yeah, right. Yeah,
4: apparently the only lasting friendships between narcissists with other narcissists could be like this mutual
3: admiration. You know, but you know. This, yeah. but I, I have to ask you for lessons to teach me this language because when I call him on <laughs> screen. I thought of him as Biff Tannen. I thought he's one of those stereotypical dumb jocks from a Revenge of the Nerds type of movie. And that's exactly the kind of person who I don't don't want leading leading me in charge of me. But now that now that I say that, I have to admit those guys those guys were the alpha males in high school. Yep. They had their own gang goon squad around, and mm-hmm. I wasn't a part well, I wasn't a part of it. So I guess I was I was. I couldn't hear yeah. that language even back then. I
2: guess. Yeah, I, I mean, Stuart. I, I think sure. if anything, you should be happy that you're <laughs> that you're not part of it because that also means that you're not going to be uh, tricked by it. But um, you know, I, I can understand the, the people who were, and I, I don't know if that's because I've known a lot of them over the years or or what. But um, yeah, I mean, if we wanted to watch the debates, we could pick. I'd, I'd be happy to pick out the details of, you know, why he's persuasive in various various points, but I think there was a New Yorker cartoon that summed it up. Um, you know, it didn't touch on every single point, but it summed up one of the main points better than anything I've ever seen. Um, and you guys are familiar with New Yorker cartoons, right? It's just a, a, a single frame image and then one little bit of text. In it. Yep. Well, the image was of a, a hilly field full full of sheep. And there was a billboard in the field, kind of Gary Larson style. And the billboard showed this wolf saying, I'm going to eat you. And uh, one of the sheep was looking at the billboard, talking to another sheep who was looking at the billboard. And then that was the text underneath was the quote, uh, which was, Shit, I'm, I'm going to mess up. Uh, but it was something like, well at least he's honest or something like that. Right. Um which really sums up Trump because <laughs> he's out there campaigning and saying, I'm an asshole. Um I think Mexicans are all Mexicans rapist, I think, you know, all the you know, all this stuff. And then people who who are backing up say, Well, yeah, you know, most of the people who voted for him probably didn't agree with him on everything. But they're like but at least he's honest. He's not one of those lying politicians. He's an honest businessman. You know, he says it like he's it is.
4: really sad because he's he worse than dishonest. I mean, like, basically, some of my feelings must come one or the other. So, you know, that will give context to what he must say. But, like, someone who lies at least has enough respect for reality to obfuscate it. Trump doesn't bother. I mean, he's just not connected to reality at all. So he can say that, like, who um, John is sad. you know what I mean? And then the next day say, oh, we have a great relationship. It's not that he's lying. It's that that's what he feels at the moment. You know, the, the truth is what he feels at that moment. Rather, you
1: know what I
4: mean? He doesn't follow well, his lives because there's no, there's as far as consciousness, there's no
1: reality to all these Yeah, which is in keeping with our postmodernist world. That's what it is now. But, post-modernism post-modernism is running. Garrett may I ask another
3: translator-related question, but I, I hope <coughs> it's not too easy to do it. Well, um, but, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, are you familiar with Emmanuel Macron?
2: Uh, he's the president of France, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, have you seen videos of him and stuff like that? I no, I don't honestly pay a ton of. Attention oh, I was going to, to him. ask you: Do you find him persuasive? I mean, not. I mean, do you find him persuasive? Not as in does he persuade you, but do you think of him as the kind of guy who can persuade the masses?
4: Well,
2: I mean, he won the presidency. Um, I I really have never seen him speak. Um, I I know that if I'm if I'm right, he was kind of a like a playboy type character in, in France, and kind of a populist also. And um, but it, again, I I really am speaking from a place of ignorance here because I do not pay a lot of attention to French politics.
3: Well, I, he has less of a less of a less of a reputation as being a womanizer than most. You know, the French just take it for granted. You know, like when we talk about Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. French are like, "What's the big deal?" You know you know, right. so they're, they're more in, near to that, but you see the thing is that I can, I was I was completely bewildered by Donald Trump getting all his popularity, I thought, well, if all the voors were 14 years old, 14 year old boys and 14 year old girls, then I can understand it, you know, but I thought voors were supposed to be grown up, you know, and I was supposed well, to do that, so he, he asked like a, a bratty, you know, the first time I ever read, saw a Twitter account I thought it was a 14-year-old boy pretending to be Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah, or one of the fake tweets. See, the thing is that I was completely bewildered by Donald Trump winning, but I thought Emmanuel Macron, if he was in the United States, he's the sort of person I could imagine winning the presidency in the United States, you know, and not just for, like, logical reasons, not just because I think he's the closest thing to a sane person in politics today, it's not just because of that, but... Body language, he's always very confident. You know, he's young and handsome. He's very confident. Mm-hmm. He always stands up straight. You know, easy, easy to imagine him as this alpha male type. See, Ed, yeah, Donald I think Trump
2: he's has, has opened
3: the floodgates.
2: He's, I think he's opened the floodgates to um, and, and lowered the bar to what we consider president material. Um, I mean, the presidency used to mean something. I mean, it hasn't mean, meant a ton since Bill Clinton, uh, or, or you know, before Bill Clinton. But even even then, you know, Bill Clinton was not that bad compared to Obama, and Obama was, you know, bad, but not in the same way as that Trump is. Um, what, what Trump has done is, you know, he kind of won the presidency single-handed. Single-handedly, so he didn't have to play all the same games that the other politicians have to play, and they hate him for that, um, and the media hates him for that. So he can get on this Twitter account and call Kim Jong Un or whatever his name is fat, um, and say that his button is bigger than than his, and you know things like that. And every what happens is like the media just flips out. They're like, you can't say that. But who who's to say that he can't say that? Why can't he say that? Like, what's stopping him? He's the president no, of the United I'm States of America.
4: i back on that just a little bit. Um, because I mean, Trump won had had more popular, less fewer popular votes than um, either McCain or Trump, and both of them were lost. Pretty bad. I'm
2: sorry, Meg. Now, I I the, accept- you said. Sorry, you sounded a little sorry. too muffled. I couldn't make out the words that you were saying.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Is it better? No, I, I couldn't I beg hear you. either. Can you put your your mouth I up a know. little bit more? Or kind of. Okay. Um,
4: what was what I was saying was that Trump.
1: There you go. Um,
4: yeah, Trump's popular. He had fewer popular votes than either McCain or Romney, well, both of whom lost pretty substantially. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that neither Trump nor Clinton um, really, their messages really resonated with the American people. Now, maybe in Trump's mind, Trump's mind that doesn't count. And he had the biggest landslide of all. Uh, who, who knows? I, I'm not the first to guess. Um, but, I mean at least everyone else in Trump's administration should not be deluded into thinking that he won handily and can do whatever he wants. Sure.
2: Um, Remember that, you know, Clinton won a second term. Um, I, I would put money that Trump will win a second term. I would, you know, bet anyone today, not a large sum of money, but I'd bet some money that, that Trump will win a second term. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, talking about the psychology of the nation is is a difficult thing to do. I mean, there are people who get paid big money to do this well, and I'm not one of them for to, good reason.
1: Well, you don't have to really, the, the whole thing with the, with the psychology of the nation is all you really have to do to know the psychology of the nation is look at what the schools are churning out. And that's where you start. And then you say, well, these are the people that are coming up into the, leadership positions and getting out into the workforce. And this is what the psychology and, and, and we're the, the, the education system is so bad and, and, and just getting worse that uh, nobody is really thinking they're feeling. So uh, we're a very feelings oriented and we have been for a long time, uh, but we, 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 we don't think we want to feel, um, if you know th- this is why you know there's still this uh, attractiveness when you bring up socialism to younger kids and you know because it feels like it's right it's, you know it's equality and because right. it's all emotional the, facts, the facts don't matter right yeah. if, there, if it doesn't was, feel I,
2: right i was i was reading an article in reason uh, today and <clears throat> this guy did just not even a lot of research, but just the, you know, minimal amount of research that a journalist should do when writing a story. Um, apparently there's, so there's this big mini, mini campaign right now against plastic straws. I, I don't know if you guys use plastic straws. I always say no thank you to the plastic straws in the restaurant because I just prefer drinking a out of the cup. That's neither here nor there. The point is, there's this number that's been floating around that Americans use 500 million plastic straws a year. That's a nice round number. It's half a billion straws. It seems big, right? So it resonates with people who are environmentalists, or who do think in that way. Um, and so the way that you see how bad the culture is is you look at the media that's reported this number. And there are 12 major news organizations that have reported this number as as fact. Um 500 million straws a year. Uh, including CNN, um, the Washington Post, you know, Daily Mail, you know, lots of <clears throat> lots of major news organizations. Um, inc- and then also on the National Park Service
0: that right, is
2: Well, this guy did just like two or three phone calls to figure out where the number actually came from. Well, the number came from a science project that a nine-year-old did
0: where he (laughs) called
2: a few straw companies and extrapolated based on the answers that he got from calling straw companies in 2011. A nine-year-old. No one has ever actually followed up on the accuracy of that number because they don't care is the point. They don't care if it's correct or not.
3: Oh, so the 500 told million these, straw if figure... If you told these
2: people... If, yeah, if you told these people that it was... In, and it might be correct. Who knows? The point is, they didn't bother following up because they don't care whether or not it's the right number. It pushes oh, so them the closer to their goal.
3: So the 500 million straw figure, that's the, the bad kind of fake news. So we do the good kind of fake news. Right. CNN does the bad right. kind of fake
1: news.
3: Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Yeah. But
2: see now... Not just the <clears throat> enough, plenty of others
1: the whole the, you know the whole feelings if it feels good and it sounds like it should be good and we're just going to go with it and um it, i i'm trying one of the things i've been trying to do is figure out where this came from where did the why is it so i i i, I have i i say you know i hate to bash religion but i do bash religion Cause I think that that has a lot to do with it because if you can just know stuff, that's super important to know because it's dependent upon, you know, your, your morals and and it's, but it's not tied to anything real. Then that seeps out into everything else. Uh, You know, so if it's okay to, to, to uh, just feel that there's a God out there, then it's okay to feel that there's 900 million straws, uh you know that that whatever you know that that we
0: sh- that yeah.
1: we, are, we have way too many struggles you know what i mean it's like it's just all this it's all like so we need to get back to like really that's why it's so important like i said ideas and everything it, it, we need to everything has to be grounded in reality and we need to know how to do that so we need to know how to how to think and this and, listen, and so we don't have this nonsense going around. If everybody, look, we're going to come up with different conclusions and stuff like that. I get that. But if everybody's using a method that's grounded in real, what observation and logic and, and that kind of, you, that's where it has to begin. And then
2: yeah, I, we can I disagree. Think on useful, that. Right. I think it's useful. And I actually did a senior, my senior project on this idea, uh, 10 years ago. Um, that when you are arguing, you should go back and find the point of disagreement. And I don't mean chronologically, I mean, hierarchically, um, you know, we, we have this idea of a hierarchy of knowledge and a hierarchy of values. And, you know, all these things happen hierarchically. And then we have that epistemology is based on the metaphysics and morality is based on the epistemology of metaphysics. And then politics is based on the morality and, um, So if you can, when you're talking to someone, if you can go back and try to figure out where you disagree, uh, where you kind of split off from each other and, you know, whether it's in metaphysics or whether it's in epistemology or whether it's in morality, um, you know, where, where that disagreement happens. And then that's where you should be having a conversation. Um, And it may be that you're unable to resolve it, but um, at least you're not, talking about Donald Trump when you could be talking about the primacy of consciousness, which is a much more useful thing to talk about. Right. Well, oh,
3: oh, Ed, Ed, I, yeah. I, may I ask another question? Yep. Well yep. effects question. Okay, so oh oh I wanted to oh, <laughs> oh well I'll ask you anyway. So um so Yaron Brooks said how, how come when I go give these lectures, the vast majority of the people here are guys? And I thought that was interesting because years
0: ago,
3: Robert James Benoel wrote an essay about this. He called it Objectivist, Mars, and Venus. And he said that the way that objectivism is usually presented is stereotypically masculine. And he agreed, you know, he made this argument similar to James Damore from Google where he says there are inbuilt um, based on physiology, there are inherent psychological differences between men and women. And he says, um, it's not that, you know, you never find a woman who thinks very logically and like a man or any of that. You know, you can find those. But he says based on just statistics and all that, you'll will, you will always find, you know, men you'll always find the majority of women will behave a certain way. And majority of men will behave a certain way. Yeah, you and know, he says it's just we're just stuck with how women in in general you can expect women to be more emotional. Doesn't mean if you pick pick out any one woman out of a crowd, you can't predict, you know, how large <clears throat> she's gonna be. But he says like if you get a big number of people, you know, like ten thousand, you can't predict what proportion of them will be emotional a certain way, more emotional than sure. so,
2: so what's what's your question?
3: So he said, um if we want objectivism to be, um more, want more women to be interested in objectivism, we have to bite the bullet and present it in a way that is stereotypically female, where we're more social. We have like dances, <laughs> more social activities, stuff like that.
2: Huh?
3: I want to ask you what you think about that. Um,
2: yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wow. wrong with that as long as you're in line with objectivism. <laughs> I mean, you have to, you have to teach it by by being it. Um, there's nothing against dancing, or <laughs> against. In fact, we do have. You know, at Ocon, uh, one of the things I was surprised at when I first went was how much talk there was about art and about, um, and how many there were dance lessons happening all the time. There was tons of music. I mean, there were things that maybe could possibly be considered more feminine. Um, I, I loved it. It was it was unexpected for me, um, and uh, yeah, as far as what you said about males versus females that you know i'm I'm not a scientist i'm not a psychologist i don't want to delve too much into that but my hunch is that most of the differences between you know the perceived differences between uh men and women are cultural uh, that's that's just my hunch
1: and but, you know it's, it's so getting back to you know the what you were saying though steward is you know that that I agree with what Garrett said. You know, I I think as long as you're, you're, you're experiencing joy, you know, that's what objectivism holds is to experience your life experience joy and happiness in your life. And if you're dancing, you're, you know, you know, running around, whatever it is, uh, and you're, you're happy and you're productive and you're, you know, you're doing the things that make you happy and you know, your life fulfilling. I think that, you know, that's, that's all good in my, my view. So yeah.
3: Be, yeah, I love I, I love because, the community aspect of it. Yeah, yeah you know, I was asking because anecdotally every time I've met a young woman on this island who says she likes Ayn Rand, it's always, always, always exclusively because of the fiction. You know, and when right? I when I bring up nonfiction like, Phew, a treat that's boring. Boring. You know? <laughs> So I want to know: well, is, that, is that just me? Is that just my experience, or maybe is it just Oahu and Honolulu, or, or is no, that I, or is
1: something you can expect anywhere? Ayn Rand, you know, Ayn Rand herself, Ayn, Rand Ayn, Rand Ayn herself said, "If you don't, she she valued her her fiction more than her nonfiction. She said herself that she would rather I don't want I don't know if she, I don't want to say for sure, but she would rather you experience the fiction and enjoy that." Than the nonfiction.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think she thought that it was a more a more uh, effective way of spreading the philosophy, which I absolutely agree with.
1: Because it's showing you the way to to actually that it, that your life could be, or that that the world could be. Uh, and it's giving you that projection of what it, what life could be, what it can be, and how it should be, uh, and 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 that's. That's what you want to promote. You want to have that that sense of uh, of, uh, of positivity, of, of joy, of, you know, all that stuff. Keep saying joy, but
2: anyway. I need to step away for a minute, guys.
1: Okay, I think we lost uh, Meg. I think uh, she sent me a message, and um, I don't know if she's going to come back. I think she might be out. So anyway. <laughs> it is a good time uh, to
2: step away permanently. What was that? Yeah, I, I think I I'll sign off for tonight then. Um, but it was great talking to you guys. Great show.
1: Yeah. Th- yeah. Garrett. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. So we'll uh, see you next week and then Meg okay. will, uh, we'll catch you next week as well. So that's fine. Hey, Stuart, um, what else do you got? I was going to actually, um, wrap up here pretty soon, but what I had to say, and I don't want to forget, cause I wanted to, to give the person who was asking the original question, but what we would say about, um, about objectivism and and what it's about to us is uh, that here's how I look at it. And that is, uh, first, real simply, reason, purpose, and self-esteem. Those are the things that stand out to me more often or more so than than anything, really. And by that, I mean with reason, you know, I look at it as, as using your mind, okay, thinking, you know, figuring things out rationally. OK, uh, not doing things or, you know, uh, pursuing things that are just out of a whim. So thinking, thinking, uh, taking, uh, take care of yourself long term, long term self-interest uh, in your for yourself uh, in your, you know, like I said, rational self-interest. So that's the first thing is that the reason aspect of it, that purpose is pr- having productive goals. uh productive goals being things that are going to make your life the best it can be just, and, and and not, not just because it helps others because it helps you first. So being productive for yourself and and making and attaining and achieving goals for yourself, everything else will fall into place. So if you're, you know, your goal should be for yourself uh, first to make your, your life the best it can be and, and be happy and everything else will kind of fall into line. So that's kind of how I, start it. And then also self-esteem. Uh, and that's pretty easy for me to define. Basically, for me, it's just knowing that you're worthy of, of living the the life that you want to live. So those are my three things to kind of to start it out. And then we can discuss further. But that's that's kind of where where I where I tend to, to start. Does, does that make sense, Stuart? Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean,
3: I I guess the first I would have I would have to ask you like who is this person you know how old is the person I would want all this demographic information because I, I would I guess my explanation for objectivism would be the same you know in terms of the 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 substance behind it but the way I would frame it would be would be influenced, <coughs> would be influenced by you know a person's job what the person's interests things like that and I guess <laughs> I guess um, I would have to get over that adolescent side of myself because, um, you know, when I when I was reading a lot of Ayn Rand when I was in high school, I liked the controversial part. I thought I was this big rebel. And the, like I, I like, I would say, I am for selfishness. My teachers would just, <gasps> my teachers would gasp and clutch their pearls. Right. And, <laughs> and I realized yeah. that. You know? There's so that shock value? Like, but, yeah. yeah, but, you know, of course, there has to be a time when you grow up and... You know, there's more life than offending people.
1: <laughs> so, well, but and then not, that's but, like, see, that, and Stuart though that that's kind of the appeal of Trump though, really. What you just said, right? Is the shock value. So we might not like him; he, he might be a, a you know, a, 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 you know, loudmouth. But it's the shock value too, right? So there are people that get pleasure from seeing him say something to, to these these Democrats that that. You know, uh, that's going to make them, uh, you know, offended. So there's that too. It
3: still
1: still bewilders me because, like, I found that
3: amusing for a month, and then, like, okay, let's get serious now. Let's be adults now, and have someone who knows what he's doing. But like, it's it's been going on for more than two years now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's just. But but anyway, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of get. I don't know if I helped uh, my, my friend that, well, she's a coworker and I I don't know if I helped clarify anything for her. She might have questions. She might ask me later. Uh, and I'm more than, more than happy to help answer. Uh, I, you know, I I love talking about our philosophy and I want to do more of it. Uh, you know, we're coming up on, on the end of the show here, but you know, any questions that you have, Remember that we, you can find us on Facebook. We're In The Closet Objectivists on Facebook. Um, and you can uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We all have our own handles. Um, just search my name and you can find me. And well, uh, well, that's – go ahead, Stuart. Well, I wanted to ask – if I mean, I know
3: it's, so the show is winding down, but I wanted to ask if I could tell an anecdote you know, what objectivism meant, go for it. means to me. Okay, so besides oh, yeah, Alice and for- Alien thing – adolescent rebellion thing um there was a there was a positive side to it you know not just revenge against society or anything like that but um it's actually similar to something president obama said in 2012 except he used a very derogatory tone he said so um rolling stone magazine asked him what do you think about ayn rand and he snickered and he said "Uh, ayn rand's a type of author you pick up when you're you're you know a teenager and you're feeling misunderstood and you're feeling misunderstood and um and you know and your parents are bossing you around, so you read it mm-hmm. and you, you feel wow confident and empowered you know and you, you you as an individual matter and you and you feel confident, but eventually you grow out of that and I thought that was funny right. because in except for the derogatory part that's actually true because um when I was in I think I, I told you about this when you interviewed just me, but at the end of at the end of elementary school and getting into middle school, and even on your high school, you know, I was bullied for being different. I was bullied, you know, for thinking differently from other people, and it, it, it you know it bewilders me when people who call themselves objectivists say, "Well, this is is normal, this is normal, and that's abnormal, and you should just avoid abnormal stuff, you know, because that's not mm-hmm. integrated and rational." It me because Rand really spoke to me because I thought she was standing up for the weirdo. She was standing up for that weird outcast who lived by his or her own standards peaceably, and of course she didn't. She didn't like, you know, posers or hipsters. She didn't, you know, founding had, founding um, you know, satirized people who were just rebelling for the sake of rebelling. People who said things that, you know, were shocking just for the sake of shock value. You know, she satirized that, but she did stand up for mm-hmm. people who were different. You know, and being picked on for no good reason, and people, you know, who lived by their own standards peaceably. She stood up for that, and that really helped me get through really rough patches in my life. You know, it, you know. It, so I thought, wow, someone else. Even if no one in school understands me, even if my classmates and teachers don't understand me, wow, there was someone who really understood, and could phrase it. You know, knew who I felt, and could phrase it in such a coherent way and it really it really touched touched me touched my heart it wasn't touch not just my mind it touched my heart emotional that's part
1: of it and see and that's,
3: that's why ayn Rand wasn't the cool voice that's for... of reason she was the warm voice of reason
1: yeah, and, and that, see, that's perfectly stated because also, and see, that, that also ties in with the reason she wanted her nonfiction or her fiction to be a little more valued was to get, you can get more of that experience that you had from the fiction than you could from the non. The non is great. I mean, you need to have all that. But the, the fiction is what elevated all of that. So um, that's, you know, that that's, to me, is just my my two cents. All of it is great, all of it is good, everybody should be reading all of it. But like I said, uh, to, to be, to have that experience of being, uh, out, uh, of a different, to see a different way, to, to, to be in a different story, uh, to not, you know, uh, to let your imagination go, you need to have that fiction. So that's, that's what's very, very important. So, so, um, that's all I got tonight, Uh, Stuart, I'm glad everything went smooth. Um, Meg and Garrett, uh, they all be back next Wednesday as well. Uh, please make sure that you guys thank the innovators and the producers, the entrepreneurs, the rationally self-interested business fan, wherever they may be. Thank those people. They make all of our lives that much better and more fulfilling and worth everything that we do. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, remember to find us on blog talk um, at blog talk radio uh, you can follow us there also get in the club on uh, Facebook in the closet Objectivists on Facebook and uh, and join us there give us some ideas. Um, I think that is kind of about all I get and well and hopefully next week we don't have any hiccups. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back and uh, and we'll go from there and um, yeah any last words uh, Stuart?
3: Yeah, in Hawaiian. Thank you very much. Mahalo, Nui Loa.
1: Mahalo, Mahalo, Stuart, and uh, take care of yourself, and we'll be talking to you soon, uh, next week for sure.
3: Yeah, mahalo.
1: Okay, I was going to play a song here at the end. (laughs) It's not working, you know.
3: Well, I I, love, I I really miss Doctor Brooke playing you know, the hero song at the beginning of his show. You know, hero Yeah. Right
1: <laughs> oh I guess we're not gonna have uh we're not gonna have an ending song. All right, well Y'all have a good night and uh we will catch you next week.